0: an israel election update is joe biden using the oil diesel shortage to drive us into world government and does anyone believe in absolute truth anymore Well we'll analyze these topics from a prophetic perspective on today's edition of end of the age Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, because Israel is such a focal point in the center of of Bible prophecy, uh, especially concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ, we keep an eye on that very close, don't we? We want to know, when is the peace agreement coming that's going to start the Final seven years. When's the third temple going to be built? When's the sharing of the Temple Mount going to happen? So we've got to watch what's going on in Israel. Plus, we love the people of Israel, we love the Jews, and we have a college there. A lot of different reasons why we watch Israel very closely. But they just had their fifth election in less than four years, yesterday. Now, all the votes are not counted yet. However, Newsmax and many many other sources have reported that Israel's Netanyahu appears to score a comeback win. Now, again, I think as of me going on the radio, I just checked a few minutes ago, there are almost 87% of the votes that have been counted. And it looks like, Um, that former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu appears headed towards a victory. And, of course, again, that's more than 80% of the ballots from national elections that are counted, and they show that voters gave him, these are from exit polls and different things, they gave him and his allies what looks like a majority in the country's parliament. Now, again, votes, votes are still being counted. And results are not final. But if the preliminary indications hold, it appears as if he has made a comeback. The final results are expected on Friday. And so yesterday's election was Israel's, again, fifth in less than four years. And even if Netanyahu and his allies emerge victorious, it could still take weeks of negotiations for a coalition government to be formed. Because in Israel... Voters vote for parties, not individual politicians. And no party has ever won a majority. 61 seats, there are 120 uh, in the Knesset, you've got to get 61 for a majority. No party, by itself, has ever won a majority on its own. They have to form coalitions. Coalition building is necessary to govern uh, so it's different here in the United States. We elect either uh, Joe Biden or a President Trump, an individual. They elect parties and to see who can get up over the threshold of the to get to 61, to have the majority. Then the president um, gives them a commission to build a government and to form coalitions and build a government. If they can't do that, then it goes to the next uh, person, which would probably be Yair Lapid, Judging by how the votes are coming in, so we'll have to see what happens. It still could be weeks off, and if they can't get anything finalized and form a government, we would go back into elections again, believe it or not. And I know it sounds crazy, but that's just how they do it over there, and that's what's happened over the last four years. But what I'm looking for is again, the peace agreement, the the sharing of the temple Mount. will all this lead to that the the building of the third temple. I don't know if it will or not. If Netanyahu's coming back into office, he has been very, very um, effective in not getting a peace deal signed. And so I, I don't think if he got back in office, I don't know what would lead to that. I believe, now this is my opinion, but I believe it's going to take a World War III before Israel finally gets a peace deal done. However, Israel Hayom reported that there was an interview with a, a news reporter and Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Netanyahu, and he said that I intend to achieve peace with Saudi Arabia. Of course, over a nuclear deal and the Abraham Accords, and a lot of different things are coming into this, but it could lead to a Palestinian peace agreement before it's over with. The question was posed to former Prime Minister Netanyahu a while back. The question was, it appears that one of the major components of the Abraham Accords was that the Palestinian negotiation track was completely sidelined in those normalization agreements, which is true. The Abraham Accords did not lead to an Israeli-Palestinian solution. When the Negev Forum Summit took place in February in Israel, Secretary of State Blinken, United United States Secretary of State Blinken, was there... And he said very publicly that the Abraham Accords were no substitute for a peace agreement with the Palestinians. It's very, very true. And a lot of people think, well, hey, this could lead to that. It could lead to that. But you can speculate, and I know some people have that said, well, hey, the Abraham Accords, if it leads to a peace agreement, then the peace agreement effectively started back when the Abraham Accords were signed in 2020, and that would be... Uh, the beginning of the final seven years. No, that's simply not the case. When a peace agreement is signed between the Israelis and the Palestinians that has the five characteristics, biblical characteristics, to that, that will be the beginning of the final seven years. If that was the case, then the temple would have to be, I mean, if it was started back with the Abraham Accords, then we would be almost to the point where we would have to be building the third temple and the Temple Mount would have been a sharing arrangement and a lot of different things would have to happen. That simply is not the case right now. So the Abraham Accords, even if it leads to a Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, did not start the final seven years. Okay. So I want to be clear on these things because there's a lot of people that are getting into prophecy right now and teaching a lot of different things. And if you don't kind of go over these things and reinforce the belief systems and the truths that are taught in the Bible... People can get their thinking off. So we want to make sure we're sticking to what has always been taught and what was taught in the Bible, and then we'll know the truth about what's coming in the near future. So because of this interview, uh, former Prime Minister Netanyahu said, and you understand when President Trump came in, he started these regional agreements, not just between the Israelis and Palestinians, but he was looking at getting a regional agreement done with the Arab nations and that they would possibly bring the Palestinians and Israelis to a negotiating table. And so he's talked about that in this interview, and I'm going to give you his response to this question about the Abraham Accords and the Israelis and Palestinians when we get back from the break. But it's something you'll be interested in because if he it looks like he's going to go back into office. If he does, it will show you his mindset on what he wants to do with Saudi Arabia. And then eventually maybe leading coming, you know, coming all the way around the barn and coming back to and Israeli-Palestinian peace deal. So we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Satan
1: and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.org. Slash @future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463.
2: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started In Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV.
1: serving End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information.
0: Now, former Prime Minister could be the Prime Minister here before very long of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, he actually, in reply to this question about the Abraham Accords leading to a Palestinian agreement and the regional agreements and everything that's going on there, he said, well, if you wait for the Palestinians, you're never going to have peace with another Arab country because they'll just veto it, which is true. Because of the Arab Peace Initiative back in, uh, I think it was 2003, they said we can never have, the Arab nation said we can never have peace with Israel and normalized relations until the Palestinian situation is taken care of. Well, the Abraham Accords has went around that. And and what would happen is the Palestinians would come to the peace table and then if they didn't like what they were offered, which they, uh, I think Ehud Barak, or, um, yeah, Ehud Barak pretty much, um, or one of the former prime ministers, I can't remember his name at this point, but he offered them pretty much everything they wanted. And... They said no. They got up and walked away from the table because they don't really want peace with Israel. They want Israel driven off into the sea. That's what the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, was all about. So they would just walk away, and it gave them an effective veto power over the peace negotiations. So Netanyahu is saying, hey, you're never going to have peace with the Arab countries because if you wait on the Palestinians, because they'll just veto it, which they did. He said, I got around that because I said, hey, peace doesn't go through the Palestinians' seat of government in Ramallah. It goes around it. And he said, I went directly to the Arab states and we made four peace agreements. This is the Abraham Accords with four Arab states in four months. But he said, that just goes to show that if you wait for the Palestinians, you're not going to get peace. You're going to get stagnation and ultimately war but this is very key listen at this he said if you go around the palestinian rejectionist and go to the arab world first and get the 99% then you can come back to the 1% don't let the 1 or 2% of the palestinians wag the dog, wag the body of the arab world which which is what american policy and western policy in the main um was doing for so many years for decades he said it's just silly it's wrong And it's been proven wrong over and over. So he's saying, we'll we'll get peace established with all these other Arab nations. Then we'll come back back to the Israeli-Palestinian situation and hopefully get something done. Well, we know from a prophetic perspective, they absolutely will get something done in the future. They're going to sign an agreement, create a two-state solution. And there will be a two-state solution out in the West Bank, Israel and Palestine side by side. The Jews living out there will remain out there as a, as a uh, Jewish majority, a uh, minority. The Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement. Israel is going to build a third temple, and Israel will, contra- will retain control of Jerusalem all the way throughout the end time. Those are characteristics of the peace agreement that starts the final seven years. That is going to happen. Will that happen before or after world war three i don 't know because President or Prime Minister Netanyahu has always been very um, influential, very uh, effective in his ability to not get anything done, just to kind of avoid the issue. And We'll do this, maybe we'll do that. We'll promise this and not do that and not get anything done because he knows what Israel has to have, and they haven't done that. Uh, The Palestinians weren't willing to do that up to this point. So he's been a... um, Very influential in that. However, there will come a time, in my opinion, on the backside of World War III that would force them into a situation where they've got to sign a peace deal and that would be the entrance ramp for the Antichrist because he's going to be influential in getting the thing across the finish line. What many other people have tried to do, many politicians from all over the world and they haven't been able to do it, the Antichrist and others will be influential in getting that across the finish line. So that's something that I am watching in the uh, near future with Israel, and many other things. But that's one of the main things uh, is the peace agreement because that's going to start the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated on that. Now, the second thing I wanted to talk to you about. Everybody wants to know. I just spoke uh, yesterday morning in a, believe it or not, some people invited me down to speak at the original Pancake House in Addison, Texas, just over here north of Dallas, and they had a big, huge speaking room in the back, and it was actually pretty cool. A group of conservatives, people that were running for mayor, and different very political figures, they meet a couple times a month to uh, discuss different things from cities all over the, the metroplex they had me down there speak, and I spoke on world government and different things that are going on, what Joe Biden's doing. And one of the main questions I got was, what's really going on in the world with the oil uh, shortage and, and the diesel, now the diesel shortage and a lot of different things happening, what is going on? Well, I thought I might cover that today on the radio because a lot of people want to know, why in the world would Joe Biden deplete our strategic petroleum reserve here in the United States what is he doing because it could be stopped tomorrow you understand he could open he could tell the the oil company start drilling let's fill that thing back up and i mean this is just crazy but he won't do it why and now we've got a diesel shortage the worst diesel shortage we've we've had in years and years and years why would he do that well my question is to you is Joe Biden using the oil-diesel shortage to drive us into world government? It appears as if he's doing all this on purpose, right? What's his goal? Well, Joe Biden is a globalist. He believes in a world-governing body, and I it's, i am of the opinion that he's doing exactly what he's told in driving us into world government. Now, let's talk about that. And I'll bring, I'll, I'm going to give you some history, and then I'll bring you right back around to the Uh, oil and and diesel shortage and show you what's going on. So when we talk about, is he driving humanity into world government? Well, after World War II, the United Nations was founded as an international organization to maintain peace and security by developing friendly relationships between nations and promoting social progress, right? At least that's what we were told. The, The idea behind the United Nations, it sounded great, until it was discovered that the charter establishing the United Nations was drafted by a communist spy. Alger Hiss was convicted of perjury for lying about being a communist spy while he wrote the um, United Nations Charter. The same charter that they function under today was written by a communist spy. So, with a communistic agenda, driving the mechanics of the United Nations, it's easy to see how the global elites have been able to work from within the United Nations to quietly build a world government. A a, a socialistic, communistic world government, that's the goal. And promoting the belief of this global warming, uh, human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, this propaganda that's one of the number one vehicles that they use to reach the goal because it's all about wealth redistribution, which is one of the number one planks behind of socialism. So, one of the of the um, so let me explain that, and then we'll then we'll get back to the the uh, shortages of diesel and uh, oil. One of the core belief systems of socialism is that most conflict in society stems from the ever-broadening gap between the wealthy and the poor, and that the their contention is that the wealthy are always, they're the ruling class, and they will inevitably use their economic power to enforce their will on the less fortunate. That's why we need to, you hear it all the time in the news, we need to tax the rich. Right? Because the rich are evil and the business owners are evil because they've taken all of our money and we need to tax them and make everything equal, and it's the government's job to do that. Right, that's what you hear about all in the news. You hear about on the news all the time with Joe Biden and all these other. We've got to tax the rich. Well, so the ultimate socialist solution to that problem is obviously they want to abolish private property ownership. For the state, they're socialist. For the state to own, and all, own all principal means of production and the central government redistributing wealth Evenly among the masses. That's what ESG is, um, the the end all of that. ESG, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, moving us also shareholder onto stakeholder capitalism. That's what all that um, the um, uh, build back better, all that stuff. The World Economic Forum. That's what they're trying to do. Implement socialism at the end of the day. So the result of all this their goals would be a classless, communistic society where a global government would ensure equality for all citizens. That's the goal. Now, Joe Biden will not come out and tell you that, but he's a globalist. So at the end of the day, that's what he believes, folks. And, of course, I'm talking about this today because the Bible prophesies there's going to be a world government in the end time, and I want you to understand really what's going on in the world. I told this to these leaders of the uh, all these, um, you know, Community leaders, yesterday at this big uh, meeting that they had, and they were all looking at me shocked, like, I, we've never heard about any of this stuff. And so I thought, man, I, you know, I'll just tell everybody on the radio the same thing I told them. Now, you understand, it would be impossible to fully realize this dream of a communistic one-world government without the redistribution of wealth from the developed nations to the poor nations or under, to the underdeveloped nations of the world or from the rich in society, not, not the global elite, mind you, but they say we've got to tax the rich, to, we've got to take it from the rich, give to the poor, wealth redistribution. And the problem is, it really doesn't go to the poor, right? It goes into the coffers of the global elite and the elitist. Think about it. So, this is the main goal of the global warming climate change hoax. The United Nations elites know that a perpetual global life-threatening crisis is necessary to convince wealthy nations to accept these punitive costs of these cap-and-trade taxes, which is there uh, many people are proposing that. And wealth redistribution is exactly what these cap, carbon cap-and-trade laws are designed to accomplish. The government sets a cap on the amount of carbon emissions that an industrialized nation can emit. If the limit is exceeded, then carbon credits can be purchased from underdeveloped nations who have more credits than they need. And there there are many other ways of doing this kind of stuff. Taxing the rich, supposedly giving to the poor. But remember, we have proven over and over and over conclusively that CO2 emissions, which is what they talk about a lot, CO2, the things that humans emit when we breathe out. Breathe in oxygen, we breathe out CO2. And they say, well, CO two it's just this this horrible pollutant, and it's you know it's causing the the earth to warm. It's been proven conclusively over and over that CO two emissions have nothing to do with a global warming. With global warming, e- even if it had anything, it would be 00000002 percent or something. No, just almost nothing. Global warming fear mongering is simply a scheme put together by the global elites to redistribute the wealth of the world to move us uh, into world government and human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. Okay? They, just want, they just need a crisis to scare you to death. And if they can get you scared, then they can get you to yield up your sovereignty and, and submit to these global governing edicts. Now, global warming was leading to climate change. That's only one of the messages being used to force the nations of the world into world government. Anytime you hear global governance, propaganda like Agenda 2030, sustainable development, nationalized health care, social justice, um, national identification programs, you can think world government. But for this topic today, it is the global warming, or I, I, I should, let's be politically correct, right? Let's say climate change, It's not global warming anymore because that's been proven not to be happening. So, you know, they said, oh, hey, the um, polar ice caps are going to melt. Remember um, Al Gore? Polar ice caps are going to melt. And the seas are going to rise 10 feet and it's going to, you know, flood America. Well, um, let's see. He gave those predictions back in the early 2000s. And I don't see that happening yet. I mean, President Obama didn't believe it because he bought a, a house right out on the Uh, by the Atlantic. So, he didn't believe Al Gore either, did he? But, climate change, back to that. That is presently the poster child, one of them actually, being used to frighten everyone into giving up their freedoms in order to save the planet. Because us human beings, with the SUVs we drive and our coal-fired power plants and the oil and gas industry, all these emissions from that, and the uh, diesel semis, diesel uh, school buses, are ca- because of the emissions they put off, they're causing the earth to warm to the point where we're destroying the planet. And we've got to stop. We've got to cut our emission, our carbon emissions, right? Even though God has a way of regulating the temperatures of the earth, not human beings. But that's the spin in the news every single day. Joe Biden has bought into that lock, stock and barrel. You say, well, how did he buy into that? Okay, it's called the sustainable development goals. I've talked about this many times, but you have to understand what's going on at a global level to understand why Joe Biden is doing what he's doing with the oil industry, with the, with the diesel, with many of the other things, they're pushing global governing edicts in America. And I'm going to show you how the Obama-Biden administration skipped Trump, and now it's the Biden administration is pushing that.
1: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. Or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button.
0: All right, everybody. So... I've told you many times that Joe Biden is a globalist. He is a one-worlder. He believes in a world government. And he's not he is not opposed to destroying the United States to see the realization of that one-world governing body. You say, whoa, whoa, Dave, that is a, that's a pretty harsh statement. Okay, let's prove it. The Sustainable Development Goals, they were unanimously adopted by 193 member states of the United Nations, including the United States, under the Obama-Biden administration back on September 25th of 2015. These goals make up the international community's 15-year, by 2030, the 15-year Socialistic Blueprint Of global governance for every single person on the planet. They named this the Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And the goal is a universal policy agenda designed to convert the nations of the world into a global community governed by the United Nations. Okay? Now, The agenda is comprised of 17 main goals accompanied by 169 focused targets. Some of the goals have 6 or 8, some of them have 12 or 13 maybe. So they're focused targets designed to manage the planet. Not just the United States, not just Israel, China, Russia, not a nation, but they're designed to govern the entire planet. Remember, we're building a world government here, right? So why do I say socialistic? Because the plan includes the socialistic principle of wealth redistribution, which is one of the number one planks of socialism. And it, the the plan actually states that the reduction of inequality is only possible if wealth is shared and income in, income inequality is addressed. So, socialism, wealth redistribution, it is legalized. Well. I guess it's legalized in some people's eyes. It's legalized thievery. Now, I refer to it as global governance of every aspect of every person on the planet because the plan actually states, we commit, and I'm quoting, we commit to making uh, fundamental changes in the way that our societies globally produce and consume goods and services that governments, international organizations the business sector, and other non-state actors and individuals must contribute to changing unsustainable consumption and production patterns. Even if they have to come up with something like oil, diesel, to get you pushed into buying electric vehicles, right? Okay, so now you know where I'm headed. This propaganda is that... Humans are using the Earth's resources at such a rate that nothing will be left for future generations. Now, that's not true. But this, that's the spin, right? They've got to get you stirred up and scared and in fear mode so you'll buy into this stuff. And therefore, the United Nations or the world government must establish a master plan to govern the Earth's citizens. And they must... Number one, in a true socialistic form, redistribute the wealth of the world so that everyone is considered equal. But there's a ruling elite over everybody. Number two, they want to control the production and consumption of every person. They want to strive to achieve universal health care. They want to control the climate. They want to manage our cities and our infrastructure. They want to govern the oceans, believe it or not. They want to govern land usage along with all ecosystems. I mean, they, every aspect of your life. And so these are the sustainable development goals. Folks, this is world government. The, these used to be called the Millennium Development Goals. Now they're called the Sustainable Development Goals. It's World Government 101. Now, again, I want to tell you, and get to the, 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 the uh, core of my topic here, the Obama-Biden administration committed the United States to implementing these goals during their tenure in, in 2015 when the goals were adopted by all member nations of the United Nations. That same year in December, the Paris, the Paris Climate Agreement was signed on to and the Paris Climate Agreement were, was financial commitments to implement the environmental portion of the Sustainable Development Goals, right? Donald Trump recognized what it was and realized it was wealth redistribution, socialism, and said, nah, we're pulling the United States out of that. And, oh, they demonized him. The world just howled at the moon. But once they got him out of office... And they got another globalist back in because they knew Joe Biden was what he was going to do because he was involved with the Obama-Biden administration uh, committing the United States to this uh, in 2015. So when he got back in office, one of the first things he did was put, commit the United recommit the United States to the Paris Climate Agreement. These financial commitments to get this thing across the finish line. Of course, it's going to take so much more than we've ever committed to. I just I saw a deal the other day, but it was going to be like trillions and trillions of dollars. But I want you to understand the Paris Climate Agreement and the Sustainable Development Goals are twin efforts designed specifically to govern the planet. One without the other is pointless. The Sustainable Development Goals were unanimously adopted by these 193 member states of the United Nations in 2015. Again, The United Nations Global Governing Plan, again, I want you to understand this, transforming our world. They know exactly what they're doing. The 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. According to the United Nations' own website, these 17 Sustainable Development Goals demonstrate the scale and ambition of this new universal agenda. Okay, So it's a global governing effort. The Sustainable Development Goals, they are an effort by the United Nations to control every person's life under the sound of my voice, everybody. One of the main areas of these critical uh, com- the critical importance is the planet itself. okay? According to the 2030 agenda, they say we are determined to protect the planet from degradation, including through sustainable consumption and production patterns, sustainably managing its natural resources. Taking urgent action on climate change so that it can support the needs of the present and future generations. Now, if you don't understand all this, they don't care. All they want to do is get you to uh, uh, get you worked into a frenzy. Hey, there's a tipping point in the next few months. We've got to do something by then, or we're going to blow up. The Earth's going to blow up. That uh, we're going to heat up to the point where we burn. The polar ice caps are going to melt, and everybody's going to drown. And the polar bears are going to die. And uh, you know, there's going to be Um, polar vortexes where it's 20 below zero and then it's going to and that's climate change is causing that and global warming. But then it's going to be 120 in the summers and the same thing that caused the freezing is going to cause the warming and it's all tied together and you may not understand it all but the United Nations don't care. They just want to get you in fear mode so they can get you to bow down to their edicts. That's the goal of all of this. That's the reason for the Paris Climate Agreement without a commitment from every nation to curb the greenhouse emissions and money, then it is impossible to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals, right? Now, on January 18th of 2016, during the opening remarks um, at Abu Dhabi, at the Abu Dhabi Action Day, former UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, he said this, he said the Paris Climate Agreement was adopted just after, just it was uh, three months, after the 2030 Sustainable Development Agenda. These are twin plans for transformative progress. The Sustainable Development Goals are the vision, climate change is the commitment. And this vision and commitment should go hand in hand. They are part of all of our grand design. None of this stuff is by accident. What Joe Biden's doing right now is not by accident. He could stop it tomorrow tomorrow. But he's not going to. And you wonder why the elections are so important coming up? I'm telling you, I voted today, and I want to make sure that my vote counts. I want to make sure that we can stymie a lot of what he's trying to do because he's really trying to destroy America. I know that is a harsh statement, but I'm telling you, why would you purposefully deplete our strategic petroleum reserves? Why would you do that on purpose? When Donald Trump was in, we were a energy exporter, and within just a few short just a short period of time after Joe Biden gets in, everything starts going into the tank. That is that was not done by accident, folks. You say, "Well, it was COVID," and no, no, it wasn't COVID. I, it was it we, everything was still rolling under Donald Trump, and I know that you know things shut down and because of COVID and things like that, but I. I understand we still could have made it through a lot of stuff if, if some of these agendas weren't being pushed during all of that. Now, Ban Ki-moon said that these should complement each other. If we, don't, if we don't implement the Climate Change Agreement, all of the 17 of the Sustainable Development Goals would not be fully implemented. Now, let me ask you a question. The government wants us all, under Joe Biden, to go to electric cars, solar wind, all of these quote-unquote sustainable uh, methods of energy, right? But if we have tons of oil, just an overabundance of oil, an overabundance of gas, an overabundance of diesel, and it's at a cheap cost. Under Donald Trump, the gas prices in Texas were down around... I think at one point, what, maybe $1.35, $1.40 a gallon? You remember that? Under the Trump administration. However, now with Joe Biden, everything has skyrocketed, back to the point where I think I paid at $1.4 and something a gallon. Never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. But wow, I did. And so they want to get you into electric cars, solar, wind... They're trying to push these climate agendas, these environmental green agendas. So, if we had an overabundance of energy resources and prices were low, nobody would move into these electric cars and all this other stuff, right? So, they've got to have a crisis. So, what do they do? Well, we start selling all of our strategic petroleum reserves to other countries. Now, scratch your head on that one for a second. And we stop the oil pipelines. And we stop drilling. But yet we're begging other countries for oil. Now, why do you do that? Is there anybody weighing this here? What's the easiest way for the government to get you to go green? Electric cars, solar, wind. You have a shortage of fuel, right? Hey, they need a crisis. Now we've got one. Hence, the selling of our strontium. Uh, strategic petroleum reserves and the diesel shortage you want you want these truckers to have to go buy electric semis you have a diesel shortage what else are they gonna do we can't do without food we can't do without shipping and stuff so all of the big ships and diesel semis and all these things that run on diesel something's gotta be done we've got a diesel crisis now we've got an oil crisis And so something has to be done. Well, hey, a great fit is what the government's been telling us all the time. Um, Solar and electric cars and all these other things. You say, well, I don't know if they're pushing that, Dave. Well, wait till after the break, because I'm going to prove to you that's exactly what they're doing. Now, what am I talking about here? We're talking about the prophesied world government that's supposed to be established just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The United Nations is the seat of that world government. Now, if you don't have a crisis, nations and people will not align their ideologies with your agendas, right? Nobody's going to want to go buy an electric car unless we're out of fuel and have all these diesel shortages and everything. Then people are going to go scampering around. What are we going to do? we got to buy an electric car now, right? But they have to have a crisis. Again, if we had an overabundance of oil and we were an uh, energy exporter, an oil exporter, and we had tons of diesel and tons of uh, fuel for everything, and it was really cheap, why go buy an electric car, right? So they've got to have a crisis, even if they're willing to... Manufacture that crisis. Now, the news source Cal Matters or California, C A L, short for California Matters, they published an article Going Electric Opponents Clash as California Aims to Force Diesel Trucks Off the Road. The article states I'm going to give you a few excerpts and then I'm going to move quickly. Environmentalist and trucking industry groups have sparred with clean air regulators today over a contentious proposal to phase out California's big rigs and other trucks with internal combustion engines and force manufacturers to speed mass production of electric trucks. Again, remember, the human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, is a hoax. So all this is propaganda from the United Nations trying to get people to bow down to their edicts, okay? Another news source, and you can look these up. I pulled these right before I came in here. Clean Technica. The article states, uh, the title, The East Coast Diesel Crisis Highlights the Urgency for Widespread Electric Vehicle Adoption. The Guardian, amid the petrol crisis, is it time to switch to an electric car? Yahoo said this, Vice President Kamala Harris announces unprecedented $1 billion toward electric school buses amid the diesel shortage. But if we don't have a crisis, if we had an overabundance of diesel right now and it was very cheap, nobody would be wanting to go to electric buses, right? But now we've got a diesel shortage. And so guess what? Kamala Harris comes along, part of the government, and says, hey, we've got a solution. We'll give you a billion dollars towards... Electric buses. They need a crisis, folks. Uh, Science Direct. They actually stated the greatest contributor to climate change is greenhouse gases because greenhouse gases prevent the energy escape, uh, prevent the energy from escaping the atmosphere, and the temperature keeps rising with the escalated emissions. Within greenhouse gases emissions uh, composition, eighty percent and. are carbon dioxide, what humans are exhaling, CO2, and methane, CH4. Both are highly related to fossil fuels burning, such that in the production of coal, natural gas, and oil, and the use of gasoline and diesel-powered transports. They've got to get you almost scared to go out and get your vehicle and want to drive because you're the problem. You're destroying the planet. And so they need to get us out of all the, off of these other fossil fuels and into electric vehicles, even though you've heard it, that all of these globalists are going to all these big meetings in their jets and burning fuel like you can't imagine. But that's okay, because you, as the little minions of society, you're not allowed to drive your vehicle, or to drive a semi that burns diesel, or to... Uh, run a ship that burns on diesel, or a school bus, right? Because there's a global elite, and then there's everybody else. First Post, they actually published an article, Fuel of the Future, How Electric Vehicles Will Get This. Fuel of the Future, How Electric Vehicles Will Drive Us to Sustainable Development Goals. Did you hear what I just said? This is an excerpt from the actual article. And this is why I wanted to go through the Sustainable Development Goals. Set up in 2015 by the United Nations General Assembly, the Sustainable Development Goals, or the SDGs, are 17 interlinked global, global goals designed to be a blueprint to achieve more sustainable future for all. Electric vehicles will play a big part in achieving these goals in a time-bound manner. Now, I told you, the Sustainable Development Goals are a socialistic blueprint to govern every single person on the planet. And they've got to have, this article's telling us, they've got to, they're going to use electric vehicles as driving us into and helping us uh, realize these Sustainable Development Goals. I, I can't, I'm not making this up, folks. Joe Biden is all on board with all of this. He and President Obama committed the United States under the Obama-Biden administration in 2015 to the Sustainable Development Goals. The article goes on to say, the transport sector is a major con- contributor to carbon emission, air pollution, and related health issues, and non-renewable energy utilization in order to combat the climate crisis. Because you're scared because we're in a climate crisis, though, even, even though we're not. But this is what they say, and they're the government, and you can trust everything they say, right? So uh, Vince, and you, Vince and Doug, this will be one of the programs that uh, gets censored. Watch. So it is in order to combat the climate crisis, it is imperative that fossil fuel vehicles be replaced with renewable energy resources in most of the transport and related activities to reduce emissions caused by the transport sector and lending a helping hand toward a sustainable future and the achievement of the sustainable development goals. Electric vehicles run on electricity. These electricity-using vehicles do not consume fossil fuels which in turn reduces the carbon emission carbon emission is one of the major factors contributing to the increase of greenhouse gases that leads to global warming which is an absolute hoax the ongoing environmental depletion demands switching to electric vehicles from fossil fuel consuming vehicles in order to achieve the sustainable development goals specifically aiming for the environment and relating related issues. Folks, this is world government 101 and President Biden is pushing this. Okay? So, the Thomas Reuters Foundation, they published an article, an opinion piece, fossil fuels and the sustainable development goals are incompatible. The Progress towards the sustainable development goals will be extremely difficult in our warming world. The the longer states wait to phase out fossil fuels, the more suffering that will ensue. Okay? So it's your fault now. Freddie Daly is a research associate with the University of Sussex and co-author of Fueling Failure, How Coal, Oil, and Gas Sabotage All 17 Sustainable Development Goals. So they've got to be done away with, right? So... Hey, what's one of the quickest ways to deplete our strategic petroleum reserve? Sell it. Now, that was Dave Robbins. That was not the article. I'll jump back to the article. Political leaders gather uh, for the United Nations Stockholm 50 uh, this week. This was a few months ago. An environmental conference that hopes to accelerate the implementation of the UN Decade of Action to deliver on on all 17 Sustainable Development Goals by 2030. But it's unclear whether they will discuss the elephant in the room. Fossil fuels, diesel, oil, gas. 2030 must be a line in the sand, the article says, for the health of our planet and its people. Now, less than eight years away, 2030, is the year in which climate scientists say global emissions need to be half what they are today if we are to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. Now, you're scared right now, right? Because all of the, um, these apocalyptic climate change tipping points that they've given over the years, all of them have all, all those predictions have come to pass, right? Actually, guess what? Not one of them have. In all of Al Gore's, um, what was the movie called? Inconvenient Truth. You know that, I don't think any of those climate predictions have come to pass. Okay, but you still got—we've we, still got to keep you scared, though. We got to keep you in fear mode because you won't get—you won't go out and buy an electric vehicle unless you're scared. So it is also the year the article says where governments are forecast to have produced 240 percent more coal, 50 percent more oil, and 71 percent more gas than is consistent withholding global temperatures at 1.5 degree Celsius. A A new report launched at the Stockholm 50 makes the case that the exploration, extraction, refining, transportation, and combustion of fossil fuels are undermining both our climate and every single SDG. Well, to that I say, boys in South Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, drill, drill, drill. Because I want to be energy independent. I want the United States not part of this world governing body. I want to be away from that. And I say drill. Let's be an energy exporter. Let's get America back to where it was. I'd like to see $1. thirty-five a gallon gas again and our semi-trucks be able to operate and everything going. And they could make that happen if they were not so eaten up with this global governance that they're trying to push. The article goes on to say, make no mistake, fossil fuels are the primary driver of the climate crisis. Guys, every time I hear that, uh, it's, it goes on to say, responsible for 86% of global CO2 emissions over the last decade. Fossil fuel infrastructures also have direct impacts that disrupt human and environmental systems from poisoning waterways to oil spills, driving species to the brink of extinction because oil spills happen every day, right? Nah, no, no. No, no, no. Every once in a great blue moon does an oil spill happen. Uh, they say achieving the SDGs by 2030 is a monumental task in its own right. But when you consider the long shadow that climate change is casting over all of humanity and the continued expansion of fossil fuel production, but not in the United States, though, I, I might add, it may become an impossible endeavor. The latest IPCC report which is the bought-and-paid-for scientist by the United Nations. I just injected that. The IPCC report stated that around 40% of humanity are highly vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Amongst this already large section of the global population, there are approximately 1 billion children, nearly half of all the children on the earth, who are deemed extremely high risk to the impacts of climate change. Now they're appealing to the mother and father of, in us all, right? The children are at risk. The children are at risk from global governance is what they're at risk from. Terms like high vulnerable and extremely high risk fail to illustrate the everyday experience of the crisis that uh, that is unfolding. So it makes you want to go right out and buy an electric vehicle, doesn't it? I mean, that's what they're hoping. So, if you really wonder what's going on with the oil and, and why would they sell our strategic petroleum reserve, why the diesel shortage and all of this other stuff, you got to step back and look at the picture at, from a, the, a big perspective, the sustainable development goals. They're saying that fossil fuels are keeping the sustainable development goals from being implemented, and they are going to work to get rid of them. Joe Biden's a globalist. He believes in the Sustainable Development Goals. He believes in world government. So what's he going to do? He's going to attack fossil fuels. He told President Trump in the debate, we need to move off of the oil and gas industry.
3: This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries.